Hey folks, welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Mason. Uh, you'll notice today we're posting on Tuesday, and that's because, oh gosh, in all honesty, my weekends are so busy now with uh, just all kinds of stuff, and they're going to continue to be for the foreseeable future, so I think we should just probably get used to Tuesday uploads because uh, I usually work on the show on the weekend and post it on Monday, uh, but I just can't do that right now, so I'm going to work on it uh, when I can. But Tuesdays, we're going to do Tuesdays and Thursdays for now. But nonetheless, two episodes will be coming out every week. Um, but today we're talking to Paul Dreyer from Avid for Adventure. You probably heard Avid for Adventure advertised last week on the show. Um, they are basically like a summer camp for adventure sports for kids. And uh, we're talking to, talking to Paul Dreyer, the CEO, the chief engagement officer, as he calls himself. And they need 800 people to work this summer, 800 job openings for summer applications. You don't have to be a college student. Uh, you could be retired. I, maybe teachers, even if you have the summer off. Anyone that has that ability and wants to help impact the next generation of adventure athletes and outdoor athletes and outdoor adventurers apply in the show notes. There's a link. We're going to, you know, Paul is such a cool person. He's been working there almost 20 years now. So I think you're going to learn a lot from him. You're going to walk away with some hope for the next generation of adventurers. But again, if you know anybody or if you think of anyone that that might want to work and do this for the summer, definitely connect with them. Well, uh, folks, welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast today. Today's not an update necessarily, but it is a guest who has been on the show before, uh, Paul Dreyer. You have had some changes in what you're doing at Avid for Adventure since we last talked before. I think you were like doing risk management or something, but now you're, now you're the CEO at Avid for Adventure. Is that correct? That is correct. And really, uh, it was a change, but more just an addition. I'm just wearing a couple of additional hats from from uh, several years back. Okay. All right. That's. I feel like a lot of CEOs, it is just, hey, I just I just do a lot. I don't even know. Like It's just, I keep adding on to what I do. It's not necessarily some massive change when they get to that point. Um, holy cow. Well, welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. Pleasure to be here, Mason. Uh, excited to spend time with you and all your listeners. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, so Paul, I, I know we, I usually start with this. Where are you coming from and uh, where did you grow up? So let's, let's start with that. Then I'll get into some questions. All right. I, I am calling in from um, original traditional lands of, of the Ute, Arapaho, and Cheyenne people, um, what's called Lions, Colorado right now, which is just north of Boulder, Colorado. That's where I'm calling from, um, and I grew up on the east coast of the, the U.S., and fun fact about me is I was actually born in South Africa, uh, so I lived the first few years of my life before moving to, to uh, Boston area as a young child, but I've been Colorado-based for 25 years now or so. Wow. What, what's, what, was the, uh, what caused the move from South Africa to Boston? Uh, I... I that that's a whole nother podcast. Okay, I'll, I'll, a- in, in, in brief, Mason, um, really my, my family, my, my parents were born and raised there, but never really wanted to stay in, in a, a country with the uh, apartheid regime and really even post apartheid just saw the writing on the wall of like really dangerous place to raise family there. So always, always wanted to move somewhere else. And it was the time it was just right when, when my brother and I were young children. Wow. And so, you know, Going from there to uh, 
to the Boston area, you, you say, what what eventually led you out west? And, and what did you grow up doing? I know you've talked about in our last show that you were into to ball sports and traditional team sports, but when did, I guess, adventures start calling you? Yeah, you know, I, I was always a, an active kid and an active teenager, but, you know, I always think of it, and my guess is this can resonate with a, a lot of your listeners, Mason, who have spent any time in New England, but I, I, was, I grew up in this very, very stereotypical New England environment, which for me, that means, you know, in a way, it's a, it's a buzz phrase, but it's keeping up with the Joneses, right? It's about doing things to please others. It's about moving fast. It's about uh, uh, going to a good college, getting good grades, getting a good job so you can make a bunch of money and buy a, a house that's bigger than your neighbors. And, and that's like, that that was my childhood. It was all like on a railroad track, like leading down that very traditional New England stereotypical environment. So you know, I, I played the traditional sports like so- in the New in New England, like soccer and lacrosse. And you know, I I went to a, um, a traditionally good undergrad college and got a business degree there. And adventure was not on my radar all until after my undergrad degree, after that business degree, my first job in the world continued along that track, that railroad track. I worked at a big corporate bank and doing a, being a financial analyst. And I did that for one year. So I guess I was probably about 22 years old at that point, 23 years old. And at that point, I, I realized just how much my soul was being sucked away from me and the even in the within one year in a, in corporate America, and that's when I moved west uh, to Utah to be a ski bum. And my goal was to spend one season, one winter uh, skiing, and then and then okay, jump back into the corporate world because that's what I knew. Um, but that changed that inflection point as a 22, 23 year old. That just fully. Um, brought me into the world of adventure, the, the world of outdoor education, adventure education. And that started my, my second life. And that was about 20, 25 years ago now. What, after being a ski bum for a year, what did you start to think like, okay, well, I, this, this might not be as fulfilling or, the, you know, maybe this did exactly what it needed to for the time. What am I doing now? How did you even start looking? Well, what happened with me? So I, I remember very clearly the very last day that I walked out of that corporate bank um, in my suit that I used to wear every day to work. I, I, I promised myself a couple of things that last day I worked out, walked out of the bank. And one of the things I promised myself is that for the rest of my professional life, any day that I worked, like truly like every single day of my professional life, that I would do something that one, I just personally believed in. Like I believed in the mission of what that is. So there was like personal belief and that it was like personally something that I enjoyed, that had fun doing. Um, And so that was this promise. And like literally like two weeks later, I showed up as a ski bum in Alta, Utah. And immediately I started doing these outdoor things. I started not only skiing, but backcountry skiing and mountain biking and rock climbing and paddling. And and I, I saw the, the change that was happening with me, with, with pushing myself and taking the risks in those sports. And, and so I just like saw the, the mission and believed in how powerful it was for me. And fundamentally, I was just having a ton of fun. So, you know, as it approached the end of that first season, 
I, I hearkened back to my promise that professionally I wanted to do something that I personally believed in and personally had fun with. And I was like, well, like what, what kind of jobs can I do doing all these outdoor stuff? Right. And, and that's what really led me down um, the path to get a first and then second and then, you know, 150th job in the outdoor world. So, okay. So <laughs> sounds like it did follow kind of those trajectories of like jumping from job to job. For sure. That quest, how long did that quest take before you landed at Avid for adventure? Because you've been there 19 years. So it sounds like the timeline was, I don't know, five or six years of searching. Uh, I, I think even, I mean, it, it's my, my story, like most people's stories, Mason, is it, not um, not a straight line. It was, it was a lot of like circling back. So it was, it was interesting. I, I would say there was, you know, uh, over a decade where what I really wanted to do and what, what I truly found value in for, for my story and for my experience in the, in the outdoor world was this real like breadth of experience. So I worked for it was, it was probably 30 or 35 different organizations and schools and companies, universities, varying different programs. Just like, I love just taking contract work and, and, you know, mostly living out of my car for a decade and mostly taking just a ton of field work, um, both domestically and, and all over the world. And in that process, in that first 10 years, part of the reason why I wanted to work for a bunch of different organizations is to find a couple few that I could really not only get breadth, but depth of uh, connection with. And so in that first decade of work, there were a couple of organizations, Avid for Adventure being one of them, Knowles being another organization, another organization called Where There Be Dragons be, being a third organization. And those were organizations that I still have relationships now, you know, almost 20 years later with, with all three of those organizations. Um, in those, as I was still working and taking contract work with several different organizations, Avid for Adventure, for example, I wasn't working full time there, but I but I have consistently been around the table, putting on different hats and taking on different roles ever since we started 18 years ago. So does that make sense that that there was like an overlap of like when I was still working for a, a lot of organizations, but deepening relationships with a few? So you know, coming from a family that had. Uh, done a lot to escape a place that maybe they didn't feel was the best place to be. Um, and coming from an area like New England, wh what was some of the reaction by your community, whether it was your friends or, or your immediate family? What what was like the view of how Paul was living his life and, and, and doing this? You know, I think this is likely a common story with, with some of your listeners as well, that for, for a long time, the the view and the reaction was like, some version of these two things. One is what the heck is Paul doing? I do. I just truly don't understand it. Right. I, like, I don't have the data. And point. I'm sure you did. So either. Think, yeah, exactly. I mean, I was making it up as I went along. So I think that is thing one of reaction. And I think thing two, that that's a pretty common story is the reaction was like, well, Paul will do this for a little while until he gets a real job. You know, that that there, you know, some version of sowing wild oats or something like that, of just getting this out of your system. Um, and and it, I mean, it goes back to thing one of people just not understanding that this is a possible pathway for, for someone's true life passion and life professional work. Was there an early experience or... Um 
gosh, I don't know, a day you you told you talked about those promises you made yourself. But was there mm-hmm. a, an experience you think back on and say yeah, that was that that was a pivotal moment or that was a day that I said, yes, I'm on the right track? Because you know we all have those where it's like you know we're unsure, 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 and then we can look back on this. Sometimes you know this moment of saying that was confirmation almost or validation that I'm going the right path for my life. Wow, that's a great question. You know, I, I think there have been multiple days and moments where where I, I have felt that. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you more about that in a sec. But I, I do think it's important to know that there have been multiple moments, including current moments where there's doubt that comes in as well. So I, I really don't think there was a moment where I'm like, all right, sweet done. I'm headed on the right track. I don't need to worry about this. I think it's really healthy actually to have continued moments of doubts and continued moment of, wow, this feels like the most natural thing in the world. Of course, this is what I'm supposed to be doing in in my life. And and so, you know, that's thing one of, of, I I think, I think really important for us to remind that, that, that hundred percent uncertainty is actually probably not what we want, right? Um, it, we th- those doubts help drive us forward and help make positive changes, even along the same path, but maybe just going down a different route for a little while. Um, and then, in terms of those moments that have been the inspirational, yes, I'm on the right track moments. You know, there, there's so many that that actually fire into my brain to come to mind, and, and they all have one commonality. It's when there's true human connection where, where I'm working on a work project or I, I would have where was on a backpacking trip with a group of 10 others or on a river trip or a climbing trip where somehow there's this really deeper human connection where either I'm able to help someone else guide them through something or someone else is able to help guide me through something, but something about connection piece that really you know, lands with me. Okay, great. This is the moment. and This is the right place I'm supposed to be. And I'm on the right path. Wow. You really, uh, <laughs> the did I go too deep? No, Jason? no, that's so interesting. And <laughs> you say those moments of doubts, cause I don't know, we're often taught that, that, uh, or at least, you know, social media and stuff and societal expectations that like, okay, you figured this out. This is what you do. But even when you're on this very amazing path that you've worked really hard to get to, it's okay to still have moments of doubt. I'm sure over 19 years, um, been working with other organizations like Knowles that long, you've probably had times like, what am I doing? Yeah, it's a, it's a great thing to think about. And it's, it's just a, um, for, for me, you know, it's interesting. You introduced me at the top of the show as the CEO of Avid Port Venture. Internally, that ti- that title means a lot of things, and it's usually Chief Executive Officer. But my title at Avid is Chief Empowerment Officer, and you know that that those moments of doubts, I feel like that's really one way that I empower myself and role model to others. Of that, it we we have to remain humble. That we have to keep asking the question: Are am I doing the right thing? For, for others and for myself. And that drives positive change in ourselves and others. That's awesome. And, and I know you you do that primarily through Avid for Adventure, um, which mm-hmm. is uh, just quite 
I don't know. Yeah, I want to hear about the changes that have happened since you've started, but can you tell us just like what is it? And I know you talked about this six years ago, but I don't know. Has anything changed about like who you are and what you do and your mission six years later from when we talked to you last? You know, the mission has remained the same from six years ago and from when we were founded in 2004. So mission is unchanged. Avonford Ventures on the mission to um, help empower kids to choose active and healthy lifestyles in the outdoors. Um, and our medium of how we do that also hasn't changed. Our, our medium are, is primarily summer camps and, and getting kids out into summer camps, either day programs, uh, resident sleepaway camps, or extradition camping trips, getting them out away from screens and hiking, rock climbing, mountain biking, paddling, camping, uh, all those things in the outdoors. All of that has, has stayed the same. The big change, Mason, is we're just doing that a whole lot more. Um, we have, as an organization, ever since 2004, we have grown every year um, except for 2020 for obvious reasons. And so, from six, from the past six, over the past six years, we've grown quite a bit. And we're now we we started in just in Colorado six years ago. We were running programs just in Colorado and California, and now we're running programs in eight states. And we'll serve uh, uh, probably tw over 20,000 kids this summer. Um, we'll hire over 800 seasonal staff to help support all of those locations of camps and across all those states. So just that, that's the biggest change. We're, we're just doing it a whole lot more, which, which we're all really proud of. Always, always a bigger need. So, so let's, let's say 19 years ago, what were those stats? 20,000 20, kids this summer. What, was it, what were you doing back then? Oh, and year one, 2004, year one was maybe 50 kids just in Boulder, Colorado. And actually, one thing that I would say also add in terms of something that's remained unchanged or, in, or perhaps has just gotten worse in 2004 when we started, you know, the reason why we set a mission of empowering kids to be active and healthy in the outdoors is to really curb increasing rates, which we first started seeing these increasing rates in 2004 increasing rates of childhood diabetes and childhood obesity and increasing screen time in kids. Like, uh, obviously that's a common story now, but in 2004, those in the early 2000s, when we first started seeing those things and, you know, Avid for Ventures on a mission to really curb those rates, turn them around. And, you know, unfortunately th those rates have only increased in our 18 year history. I was going to say, you know, how have that, how has that changed? And, and with the on, set of uh screens you know i mean mm -hmm. we're i know we're both looking at a screen right now it's totally unavoidable and i know you mentioned you know before you you aren't luddites you aren't anti-technology but it's important to have that time away um you've only seen increase huh so the need has only grown let's take a quick message break and hear from the folks that help make this show possible one of the most formative things I did in my outdoor slash adventure career was to be a camp counselor. So a couple summers in college, I helped kids learn how to uh, to mountain bike, to climb, to, to, to paddle, you know, canoe, all kinds of stuff. And it was one of the coolest experiences and gave me a lifelong love of uh, sharing these sports with people. And it honestly directly led to me hosting this podcast. And why that excites me so much is because Avid for Adventure reached out to us and said, hey, we have hundreds of summer camp counseling jobs, uh, seasonal jobs all over the country, and we need your help filling them. So 
If you would like to spend your summer in the mountains teaching kids how to rock climb, mountain bike, hike, kayak, backpack, and everything else you can imagine uh, in places like California, Colorado, the, the Northeast, the Pacific Northwest, be out in the mountains, be out in the woods, be out on the water. If that's how you want to spend your summer and you want to make some money and you want to have access to healthcare and you want to work at one of Outside Magazine's best places to work, then you need to apply for one of these jobs with Avid for Adventure. All you got to do is go to avid4.com slash jobs. The application is only five minutes. And even if you don't think it's a good fit for you, I promise that you know somebody who could fill one of these hundreds of roles that we need to fill this year. Again, that's avid the number four.com slash jobs. Fill out the five-minute application and tell them you heard about it through Adventure Sports Podcast. Let's go have the best summer of your life. That is plenty of that for now. Let's get back into the episode. The need has only grown, and you know, the, the I, I think as a result of not just screens, but and not just COVID, but those two things plus you know, just other things that have exploded in some interesting ways over the last 20 years with with our media sources, particularly social media. I think not only, uh, I would add one more increasing rate. I mentioned some healthy statistics around increasing um, diabetes and obesity rates in kids. The other just alarming thing that we've seen over the last decade really is just increasing stress, anxiety, and depression rates, um, even in the youngest age of kids. So I feel like what we do at Avid, getting folks away from those social media sources, away from screens, into empowering just confidence-building environments like climbing and mountain biking and paddling environments. You know, hopefully we can really start curbing those rates around stress and anxiety as well. The the outdoor industry has changed so much in the last two decades. Have you seen the opportunities like this, not just what Avid's doing, but other organizations pop up trying to meet this need? Absolutely. Uh, and I, I think in a really good way, the outdoor industry is um, a, a collaborative space. And there's a lot of examples of this from really wonderful conferences that folks come together with, or and also just daily interactions that, that I have with a bunch of other organizations some that have been around for a long time, and I, I agree with you, Mason, a, a lot that ha, have have started over the last five to ten years. And you know, as a bigger player in that industry, I feel that our role at Avid Ford Venture is a hundred percent to be of supportive for other folks just doing great programming. And there's there's a lot of overlapping programming purposely, and then there's a lot of specialization. So there are programs out there that just uh, specialize in for example, adaptive climbing or, or biking or paddling uh, for, for folks with more um, physical needs. There are folks that specialize in just um, programs that were for, for kids and adults who identify as female. There, there's so many unique subsets of great work happening out there. That is awesome. Gosh. Well, t- take us through what a typical avid i mean is there a typical avid for adventure experience is it you know micro is it trips is it is it extended camps what what are the programs yeah there's three main buckets or styles of programs um there's a little bit of variation within them but three main buckets um the first bucket is is day camps so these are for um mostly kids aged 
four to 12. Um, so from pre-K to seventh grade about. Um, so those day camps are uh, Monday through Friday, parents drop off at nine o'clock, pick up at three o'clock. There's some ex extended time there. Um, and we have one week and two week day camp options. That's bucket one. And those, we, we do dog camps in all eight, all eight state locations, have about th over 30 locations of day camp locations across those eight states. And then bucket two is what we call resident camp. And this is, Mason, think about classic sleepaway camp, right? So beautiful cabins up in the mountains. Um, there's one and two week options for resident camp. And you're staying in cabins, there's dining hall, like all of the core sport activities that I mentioned that hiking and biking, paddling, rock climbing. Uh, and then there's also excursions away. So maybe a, a, a small rafting trip or a small backpacking trip uh, from resident camp. And then option three for style of programming are our expeditions. And these expeditions are a seven or 10 day, typically a seven or 10 day camping trips. But most of them are car camping. So think like 13 kids, two instructors, adult instructors from Avid. You got a van and a trailer and you, you set up a base camp for your own expedition. And then you'd go do those core sports, but from a camping location that you're coming back to and really taking care of yourselves as a group for that whole week or 10 days. And then we do have some backpacking expeditions same idea, but those folks are, instead of coming back to their car and base camp kitchen and such, they're on the trail moving each day. So day camps, resident camps, and expedition camps are our three main styles of programming that we offer. <laughs> that is awesome. It's, wow. it's a lot. I know. It's a lot. It's a lot going on. I mean, it's really interesting, you know, like, you know, right. My first job after being at ski bum, my first job truly in like the outdoor education and adventure education field was with adults and as a kind of running week long adventure vacations for adults and some families. And I did that work with several companies on and off for, for years. And, and then, you know, still over my career, I, I've balanced working with adults and working with kids and, and there are pros and cons to, to both, but um, I, I so much prefer, I think there's a lot more fulfillment working with kids than working with adults. Can you, can you tell us a story about something you saw, like just an example of, of a kid whose life was changed because of this? Maybe, you know, over the course of 20 years, I'm sure you have dozens and dozens, but is there one you could illustrate the importance of what Avid for Adventure does in a story? Yeah. And, and there are dozens, if not hundreds. So, yeah. you know, idea for a separate podcast, just stories of empowerment uh, for, from kids in the outdoors. You should make that happen, Mason. But I'll, I will tell you one, one quick example here. I was working for uh, an organization where we did longer expeditions. So a uh, 25, 30 day multi-environment expeditions. And one particular, I worked for this company for, for a number of years, ran a bunch of, um, they ran a bunch of different styles of expeditions. One trip that I was running, which was, was an extended kayaking, moving water, kayaking trip down the Green River in Utah. Um, and, you know, not big rapids, but like class two, three rapids, if that makes sense for your listeners. Um, Multi-day environment, incredibly beautiful environment. Um, well, basically for that, expedition um the, the kids would show up at our base camp we had a couple days of prep and then three days later basically we would head out and, and put on on the green river 
So one of the students who was coming from very urban Los Angeles, California area, um, came on the trip and she had come through a scholarshiping program to, uh, for this trip. And we found out, I found out on day one at the base camp there that she couldn't swim. And, you know, clearly I'd never gone paddling either and really was frozen in terror of like, I, I am, I'm going home tomorrow. I cannot do this. And we worked for three days on the pond that was on property, just getting her instead of in a kayak, it just in a ducky, a little bit of safer craft and getting her just comfortable with water. And unbelievably, she, she went down a seven, seven night trip down the green river, uh, through a couple of rapids. And I so clearly like the, the takeout, remember her at the takeout and just hugging her peers and crying. And, and it was the most, it was the hardest and most hardest challenge she's ever faced and biggest thing that she's overcome in her life, which is just so transferable to life back in inner city, Los Angeles. Wow. And, and like you said, there's got to be hundreds of examples like that. You know, obviously a lot of these kids, you know, may, maybe like her, may, maybe they'll never do this again. Why, why sure. is it important that they do this, even if it's just one time? Yeah, you know, we talk a lot at Avid about positive risk taking. And, and for me, stepping into a positive risk taking environment is the reason that even if it's one time, the most important reason that, that kids do something like this at Avid and beyond. And, and I'll expand on that a little bit more that, so, so we're, we're, it's not important for a kid to become a mountain biker or become a rock climber or a paddler or backpacker. Um, but in these environments where kids are able to really have in front of them some natural, natural consequences and, and true risk, and be able to look and assess the risk. So we work with kids in a unique way at Avid Port Venture, where as an environment changes, we stop the whole group and kids get to look around and, and we say, hey, what's changing about this environment? What could be a, a risk? Do we want to lean into that risk or not? And if yes, like what's a rule that you want to make for yourself? Like one rule to you know reduce some of the risk in that environment. So people get the muscle memory of practicing that as they're going down a trail on their bike or as they come to a fork in the road on their hike, whatever that is, they're able to assess their environments, understand the risk a little bit, and then maybe make a rule for themselves if they want to keep going forward. And just like anything else, practicing those risk management muscles, you need to work them out in order to use them in the future. So that was a long intro to to, to, to this. And this is what I think about of like the real reason why, why we do this is say that kid who has had time practice positive, positive risk taking as a six-year-old and eight-year-old and a 10-year-old. Now, all of a sudden they're a 13-year-old and they, for the first time in their life, they show up to a, a friend's house where there's a bunch of kids, there's a party happening, there's no adults there and there's alcohol. And it, it's the first time in their life. And and now all of a sudden their brain kicks into action. It's a new environment. So they look around their environment without them even knowing it. They're thinking, huh, what's changing about my environment? No adults, alcohol. What are some of the things that could go wrong? Well, there's a whole bunch of things that could go wrong. And then so they're able to maybe make a rule for themselves to keep themselves to reduce the risk a little bit in that in that situation. So the, the risk management, positive risk taking is so useful 
and transferable to everyday life as, as these kiddos are, are becoming older, older kids and then young adults. I, I see it in my my personal life. I, I try to go out on a trip at least every other month with friends and invite as many as people as possible. And it doesn't take many of these experiences to completely change your life. You know what I mean? Like one or two of these amazing adventures can just change the trajectory enough so that 10, 15 years down the road, your life looks totally different. It doesn't take, it's it's like a big of enough swing from the hammer to move the needle a little bit um, so that in time you see a huge difference. And I'm, I think what you're doing, especially those extended trips where it's, you know, seven to 10 days, holy cow, you can be a different person on the other side of that. Yeah. And, you know, you bring up such a great point there, Mason, that I think sometimes when people think of outdoor adventure, they think of Mount Everest or you're rafting down the Grand Canyon where someone can have just as powerful and life-changing experience by seeing a sunrise for the first time on top of a mountain, you know, like, and not even a mountain on top of a, a little hill, um, j- just a little bit from their house. So it's these, the outdoors is so powerful and it just takes small experiences to really be impactful and pivotal, pivotal to in folks' lives. Absolutely. And you start seeing things through a new light. I just had one of the best trips of my life, believe it or not, near Orlando, Florida, out in the swamp. And it was unreal. Um, so yeah, it can be adventures everywhere. It's absolutely everywhere. Uh, you just got to learn to, to look at, look at life that way. Um, yeah. And you know, a lot of, you know, Avid for Adventure, most of what we do are day camps and all of those day camps are located in urban areas. When I, I look across the eight states where we operate, it's you know Chicago and Minneapolis, Denver, Seattle, Boston, all of these locations where we we do drive to nearby spots to go climbing and biking and paddling with the kids. But they're all you know, you know within 20, 30 minutes hopefully of where the camp is. So you can really find empowerment, confidence, and pretty cool outdoor spaces even in those urban areas. So as the chief empowerment officer, do you still get to go out on some trips with kids or, or is it mostly, uh, you know, behind the desk now? Uh, too much behind the desk for, <laughs> for sure. But in, in the summer is, it's interesting. The summer is my slower time because in the summer, that's when we have over 800 folks working for us. Right. Um, and, and really my job in the summer is is really to show up and be with staff a lot. So I show up at our different trip locations and camp locations, uh, for sure hang out with the kids, um, uh, talk with parents, and, and just really try to connect with staff. It is it is few and far between a little bit, although I love the opportunities to do so, but few and far between that where I'm really leading a trip or, or leading a day of camp or something like that. I try to sneak it in every now and then. Do you try and do anything personally throughout the year? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that I have done um, that's personal and also a connecting thing for, for camp and staff at Avatar Venture is on a, a few different, in a few different ways during the summer, I, I love bike touring and bikepacking. So, you know, a few years back, I biked to all of our Colorado camp locations. So camping in between and just like connecting the dots. And then the, the other, a few years ago, when we were um, just in Colorado, California, and Oregon, I biked to all of our West Coast locations. So I connected the dots between 
uh, all of our Oregon camps and our Bay Area, California camps and biked in between. So um, finding ways to, to mix personal adventure and some work at Avid, um, that, that's really a, a home run for me. Holy cow. I mean, that's not like overnight stuff. You're taking some time to get that done. Having to oh, maintain, yeah, yeah. you know, running an organization on top of that. That's, that's not easy. <laughs> yeah. But that, I mean, with the beauty of, of our world, I mean, we t- we've talked a lot about the negative effects of technology and the positive effects that, that I really can, um, you know, keep connection with, with the headquartered office and my colleagues there um, while on a trip like that, that, that was, you know, camping and remote and beautiful and weather, like you had to deal with a lot of weather and was in cell phone coverage the, pretty much that whole time of that trip. So I was able to really grasp, grasp the best of a couple of worlds there. You mentioned staff before, and right now you're actually hiring. Can, can you talk a little bit about what you're looking for and what kind of people who, who might be looking for something to do this summer, maybe the term that you, you typically want commitment for and who can apply? Yeah, you, you bet. I, and I, I, I promise, Mason, I'll get to some of those details, but I did want to preface a little bit just around staff that it's one of the things that I am actually most proud of about Avid is that we, we have really removed the barriers to enter the outdoor industry that have been, um, been there really forever. I think back to when I was breaking into the outdoor industry, first thing I had to go do is, is go get a couple of certifications that cost me probably all in about a thousand bucks and took a bunch of time before I was even eligible to apply for, for the job, a, a job in the outdoor industry. And that's, that's still true with a lot of jobs in the outdoor industry right now. Um, with Avid, because we have so many types of programs across so many locations and we work with such a wide variety of ages of kids from four years old to 17 years old, um, really your first question, what are we looking for? We want folks who, who want to work in the outdoors and want to work with kids and you know truly want to feel that empowerment and that fulfillment of just working in the outdoors what we've been talking about and that's it like period if you want to work with kids and you really want to dive into work in the outdoors we can find a job for you and we will in-house train you and pay for that training for any risk management skills that you need um, any communication skills that you need um, across all of the course boards and, and then provide you with the right training and the right placement to really gr- either start your career in the outdoors or don't get me wrong, Mason, like I, we also need highly technical rock climbers to, to be our lead climbers and we need technical whitewater boaters. So we have jobs for folks that are starting their careers in the outdoors or folks that are really stepping into leadership positions and expanding their career in the outdoors. Um, And we also have removed questions like some people need housing for the summer and great, come work at one of our overnight camp programs. It includes housing and food. And we have other folks who um, maybe have a family, have started a family and and they really need to be home in the evenings and the weekends, but want to have this fulfilling experience. And we have, you know, so many locations of day camps, so we can provide that. So, we really meet people where they are and can find a really good placement for them. That that was actually one of my questions was, you know, people who may find their love of adventure a little later in life and don't know necessarily where to get involved. Maybe they're, you know, high up in a company um, that isn't at all focused on this, or may, maybe they are like me, you know, two, two young kids have a career and they want to sure. do more 
in this space, what does either Avid have or what advice do you have for folks who want to help contribute to this problem and contribute to it, adventure for all? I mean, I think they can do, I say, yes, they could do it all. They could do whatever they want. Um, and it is, it is true. A lot of our instructors, the average age of our instructors is, is um, 24 to 26 on so that mid 20 range. Um, and we have instructors in their 60s and 70s as well. So um, at least at Avid for Adventure, we really, um, because of the diversity of programs that we have, we can find the, the, the right fit. And really, one of, the, one of the things that, you know, as I reflect on my life of growing up in the East Coast and playing soccer and lacrosse and then moving into adventure sports, one of the things that's just like so wonderful about climbing and biking and paddling as opposed to soccer is that, wow, if I tried to play a soccer game right now, I would hurt myself. It's just, it is just harder and harder to do as, as you get older. Um, but these relatively low impact environments um, and individual sports, it's really, it, it, you can do them in, in just as good, if not better ways as you age and get a little wiser and more experienced. So I would say for folks that are looking for a change in their life or, or just a, an addition to, to their life in these really challenging times, um, working in the outdoors and, and working at Avid could be a really great fit. I know, I know we've been talking a lot about like the problems with the world and the, 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 the issue of kids and adventure and the kids in the outdoor only increasing. What does give you hope about the future of, kids and kind of the next generation being supporters and involved in the outdoors? You know, I, I think what I see, and I, I know, as you just mentioned, we, we've talked about too much green time and there's too much stress and there's too much anxiety um, in, in, in the young folks and, and really in, in all of our lives right now. And it, it can be um, quite depressing and, and hopeless if you think about all that and you know, what, the first thing that comes to mind when I hear your question of like, what, what is something that this younger generation really has that's, you know, prop, maybe even better than the rest of us? And it is interesting. I actually think they have hope and they have like fo folks that are, are just so engaged and so caring and empathetic right now. I feel like the, the kids that we see at Avid, they... In, in a gr more better way than when I was a kid and in subsequent generations, I feel like they want to do good. And when I think about environmental causes and just the conversations around um, climate change and the conversations around uh, justice and diversity and inclusion, there is just so much engagement and so much hope. And I feel like that is being driven from a younger population and so that gives the, the hope that other folks have and the, the really the desire to engage and care and bring empathy to conversations like that really gives me hope. Is there any other major theme that you have learned from, from these students that come in that maybe have nothing, no idea what they're doing in the outdoors, but they teach you something in return? Could be a common theme. I, I, example is on this show, yeah. almost every adventure, especially a world traveler, constantly, every single time, almost pretty much without fail, is a reminder of how good the world actually is versus, you know, what we 
hear and read about every day. You know, they say that the in-person interactions are amazing and 99% of the world out there is, is wants to be your friend and wants to be friendly and wants to help. Right on. That's such a great theme. Now I want to use that one now, Mason, but now I can't. You already <laughs> well, used that one. Um, no, but the, the, you know, the thing that comes to mind, and I don't know if it's a learning, but it's a constant reminder working um, in, in the outdoors and working with kids. It's just the, the, the power of laughter and fun and joy and just like pure joy. And when, and that is just, it's just so easy to come up when you're doing uh, pretty darn cool things being in the outdoors and particularly working with kids is that joy that just gets injected into your life and where there's the full body laughter and just the, the um, unbridled fun. Well, Paul, this is uh this is so cool, man. And uh, congrats on everything you're doing now. Now, did you want to talk any more about what you're looking for this summer and how folks can get involved? Yeah, no, thanks for circling back there. You know, um, we are, as you mentioned, we have jobs available right now. And it is in this challenging and just crazily continued uncertain time that we're all living in right now, um, working in the outdoors and working with kids, it just really does inject that fun that I said, but also just provide this certainty and a safe outdoor space and a fulfillment that's really unparalleled. And so folks should apply if, if this sounds good for them. Um, they should just go to our website, which is avid for A-V-I-D, and then the number 4.com, avid4.com. And then uh, all the information is right there. More information about jobs, the different locations, the compensation that we pay. We pay you know, minimum living wage at all locations and then upward from there based on skills and uh, certifications. And then you can just apply online, right up right there online. It's really easy to apply. And a member of our team should be reaching out, would reach back out to you within a day or two to take next next steps from there. 800 people. That's, 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 <laughs> that's a lot of people, man. Is this your biggest year ever of, of the amount of people you got to get? It is. Yeah. Like, as I said, we have, we have grown every year of existence with Avid, um, except for uh, when COVID hit in 2020. Um, and that we, we will continue that there, there's just, there's more and more kids. So there's more and more work to do, Mason. Oh, that's awesome. Well, geez, I love what you're doing. Such a cool thing. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks right. for your work, yeah. Mason. We'll talk Have a good soon. one. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Bye. First of all, thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes, share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. And until then, get out there and have some fun.